Black and Green Podcast Day Wild. Welcome to Black and Green Podcast Review number five. It is March 12th, 2018. I am Kevin Tucker, your host. Uh, so we are going to start here by looking at a follow-up to the last episode. Uh, I talked a bit about Elon Musk and what a joke he can be. Uh, unfortunately, not always true. Uh, Cliff sent me some stuff. Uh, Cliff, who's uh, editor of Black and Green Review and also a uh, regular feature on Anarchy Radio with uh, John Zerzan. But um, so apparently on uh, February 6th, I believe, uh, Elon Musk and SpaceX launched Falcon Heavy, which they're claiming is the most powerful rocket in the world. So, uh, unfortunately, the case that they they do have some successes, but their their goals with all of it still kind of insane. And of course, this whole thing has set off a whole bunch of nerds talking about fucking asteroid mining and shit like that, kind of crazy shit. Um, and yeah, even Elon Musk has put out before that. This uh, the asteroid mining is something that could never really be profitable, could never really make too much sense. The amount of energy it takes to send a rocket up to collect resources and bring them back, it'd have to be very valuable or very useful. So uh, if Elon Musk, the guy who is trying to launch a fucking car into space, says it's a little far-fetched, then um, it should give you a pretty good indication where he's at. That said, Musk is still fucking crazy. Uh, he was at South by Southwest Festival, um, and I, I'm guessing this was this week. I don't know. It was recently. Uh, and he was talking about, this is a quote from him, it's important to get a self-sustaining base on Mars because it's far enough away from Earth that in the event of a war, it's more likely to survive than a moon base. Crazy shit. So, yeah. Uh, if there's a third world war, we want to make sure there's enough of a seed of human civilization somewhere else to bring it back and shorten the length of the dark ages. Yeah, I mean, that's that's fucking crazy. And uh, the fact that he's taking this kind of shit to uh, a hipster fest of a South by Southwest, you know, people want to go listen to some stoner metal and buy beard oil and get some fancy new trend jump started. And this is who Elon Musk is pitching his ideas of. Uh, you know, gloom and doom to thinking that we're going to have some new solution here by saying that all of a sudden going to Mars is going to be an option or that it should be an option. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I hope that's pretty self-explanatory and just being totally insane. So that's a little bit of an update on that. Uh, hopefully we'll get more into some of that stuff in future episodes here. Uh, i got to take a little bit of a turn from some of the usual stuff I like dealing with some shit that I don't. And unfortunately right now, that's Derek Jensen, who is unfortunately uh, a subject of discussion once again uh, after Deep Green Resistance stuff mostly kind of fell off the radar, it seemed, for quite some time. All of a sudden his, his shit is kind of coming out again. So he had uh, an event in Eugene, Oregon um, a week ago uh like yeah last weekend not not as in yesterday but the a week ago uh John Zerzan told me about it and he was there um and if you don't listen to anarchy radio you should uh John Zerzan of course is a really good friend of mine and a very important person for a lot of reasons and uh the radio show is it's not a podcast 
it's just a you know his weekly show he takes calls on air uh it goes over a lot of the news and has a lot more current events so if you're looking for that kind of a thing you're looking for uh, a weekly anarcho his take on what's going on in the world and then some deeper digs and stuff like that anarchy radio is a great place to go by all means i would consider it uh the precursor and companion to anything that i'm doing on here uh and john is much better about it much more religious about it uh so it's also i believe one of the longest running anarchist radio shows ever so definitely check that out you can go to johnzerzen.net uh and then there's links there for listening live to the episodes and i make some calls every now and then might might help a little bit here and there but anyways, John talked about this stuff a little bit, and John talked about on his most recent episode um, a bit about the protests there and about uh, Derek being what Derek is claiming his was he was deplatformed um, at Elaw, which means that he was claiming that one person made some some statement and it led to him being kicked out of the main event. And then ended up doing this event at the Eugene Library. And the Eugene Library told everybody who was putting up a big stink about it, hey, you know, we're not going to do anything. The thing about these people is, I mean, they're, they call themselves resistance. They call themselves revolutionaries. They call themselves all kinds of shit. They are fucking pig lovers. They can't do shit without calling the cops. There was people protesting their table. They called the cops. There's people uh, protesting for Derek's talk and everything like that. They call the cops. The only reason that he got away with doing his talk at all, after what, what John's claim was about 30 minutes at least of it being held up just by heckling and by giving him shit, uh, yeah, he he just could do it because the cops were standing there the whole time and threatening to arrest people, which is some kind of crazy shit. This kind of shit you're seeing in the alt-right shit and, and everything like that. It's pretty insane. But uh, that's where it's at. So all these people want to... Ten Jensen's doing anything radical. There it is. I mean, he's sitting here, protected by cops, yelling about anarchists and doing all kinds of crazy shit. But why are we having to deal with this again? So I had written, um, I believe it was like 2012, somewhere between 2012 and 2014. I wrote this thing. Uh, if you want to undo a sweater, it's on the Black and Green Press website. Um, I kind of hoped at the time and I, I still had hoped for a long time and it seemed to kind of do the job that if I could just write it all out, uh, or at least most of it, uh, about the beef that we've had going back with Jensen since he started really losing his shit in like 2008, 2009, John and I got really active and going at him, uh, at first as friends trying to, you know, kind of crack the course a little bit if possible, give a, a kind of friendly intervention, which Derek does not take to. Uh, so, uh, things, things just kept going downhill. I figured if I could write this thing out, then I don't have to keep answering questions. Uh, I don't have to keep dealing with this and hopefully the whole thing could just be done. And for all the kind of crazy stuff that was going on and just, just a very brief recap, you know, guy wrote some decent books. He's got where he was because of anarchists promoting it and anarchists pushing it. And us, you know, this was culture, make believe language, learn words. I think a lot of us felt like. This is the book I can give my parents. Like, it's written decent enough, and it's uh, it's palatable in a way that's not, you know, it has militancy to it, and he can get away with saying a lot of things without actually having to seemingly deal with the repercussions of it and not having to deal with the legal ramifications, which is a bigger issue that any anarchist was dealing with. 
at the time, past, present, future. Uh, and of course, you know, he, he kind of played up all the militancy and everything. Um, but you know, there's, there's more to be said about that. But, uh, anyways, uh, the deep green resistance stuff, whenever they started that, that's when they started saying like Jensen's a field general. He brought Lee, Lear Keith became a crucial part of it. Um, had a cycle of people going through Eric McBay, who was the co-author on the deep green resistance book has since left the fold. And as with everybody who's left Derek's fold, never on good terms. Um, but, uh, they were, they were having this kind of crazy cult of personality built around the whole thing, which was an extension of the Derek Jensen forum, uh, which for the record, I've never been on, never tried to get on. And I know that Derek has gone to lengths to try and make it seem like anybody who's against him is one of the small number of people that he actually has had interactions with, which is, I guess it's a psychosis. Um, it's kind of an insane thing. Again, that's going to come back to us in a second here, but uh, so with all that shit, we started calling it out because what was happening was this wasn't just another dumb revolutionary idea. This wasn't just another stupid take on uh, kind of Marxist, Leninist, Stalinist thinking or Maoist kind of thinking, even though that's kind of how it, it came off in a lot of ways. Um, and, you know, they're they're saying they're going to be a, a revolution against civilization. Uh over time, the more progressive money Derek got, the more progressive support he got. It, it went from civilization to industrial civilization to capitalism to patriarchy, and then just kind of whittles down and down as the funding goes with it. Um, and they got backlash, as they rightfully should have, because they started doing things like talking about, you know, what would you do to um, attack civilization? How would you attack civilization? If you were in these hypothetical situations, how would you respond? And the thing about it is, is all this stuff was being done. They wanted, they wanted waivers signed that had people's legal names. They wanted to get as much information about people involved as possible. So for all the red flags that had gone on for all this shit had gone on. And this is, this is at the time green scare going on and entering into the post green scare kind of world. Um, this was the biggest red flag. Like, not only are they going for cannon fodder uh, and getting people who are going to be true believers and shit like that, they're having people sign incriminating documents with legal names. Uh, this is all shit that anybody in the anarchist world, anybody in the activist or radical worlds should have known or did know, by and large, was that but there's a lot of information we don't need. And just collecting information from the state does nobody good. Agreements or disagreements aside... That's just something we don't do, and it's something we've never done, and it's, it's, it serves no good purpose. But the thing is, for Derek, it's all about commitment. It's all about loyalty. And as much as they talk about revolution, as much as they talk about these these ah, bullshit stages of revolution, of course these things never fucking happen. Revolutions never go well. Um, they were still collecting all this information. They were looking for loyalty. They were looking for structure. And that was their biggest beef with the anarchist world, is they said there was no structure and all this shit, which like, yeah, of course. I mean, you uh, too stupid to ever read Kamat and Kamat influence on the from the post left side, the ultra left side, uh, a lot of important stuff there. And I, if you haven't read Kamat, strongly recommend it. But for the core of kind of what you would say would be the newer waves of, of green anarchy and anarcho primitivism, uh, that that definitely had a big influence to talk about the nature of organization, 
uh, and things like that itself rather than just saying, you know, just just having beef with the platform. Anyways, long story short, a bunch of shit goes on. Uh, we get into a whole bunch of arguments and uh, it's 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 kind of kind of crazy. Uh, Deep Green Resistance starts purging a bunch of people. Uh, they're just all a bunch of very fragile egos and want to be leaders and things like that. So they just get crazy. And um, being hecklers and agitators, we just kept going. Why should we back off? Uh, that went on for a while. So talking about where things were, I think like uh, the by the time that Deep Green Resistance actually started getting a really like mass exodus and a lot of shit was I think around 2012 to 2013. It might have been 2014. I, I don't remember um, when it really started to come out about uh, their turf stuff, the trans exclusionary radical feminism. It's this old wave radical feminist holdover shit that is just f- flat out insanely against trans people. Uh, and there's like the the degrees to which this shit goes is insane. Uh, and the Deep Green Resistance, Lear Keith and Derek Jensen have really just doubled and tripled down on this um, and made it their entire point, their entire existence, which so, you know, at, at the point now where when Derek's doing a talk or Deep Green Resistance is doing a talk, you know, he's doing the same talk he's always done for fucking 20 years or whatever, uh, except now it's just focused even more on the idea that Although he, he can only have one enemy. So trans has something to do with anarchists who are rapists because we're against government. Um, and yeah, I don't know. He just kind of has to conflate everything into one thing. So you get these really kind of insane logic leaps, which make less sense even the more you look at them. But this is where they've hunkered down. Um, and so he gets, rightfully, they started getting a lot of shit for it because they are, militantly anti-trans and then they're 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 actually involved with these groups that out trans individuals and uh call them out post their identities up online and do all this shit and it's just it's fucking crazy because it's you know you know nobody's saying you have to be fucking trans or anything i mean this is this is what people are this is what people are dealing with but there's no question about it that trans individuals as a group face just insane amounts of repression and suppression uh i think one of the highest percentages of groups that are being killed off by cops and being killed off by individuals and and crime and things like that and just general kind of street level shit uh so the fact that they're supporting that is insane and they're pushing this whole fucking stupid thing about trans identity is just a way to get what they would call men into a woman's bathroom where they're going to rape people which is just this crazy right wing kind of conspiracy shit and this radical Christian kind of bullshit that has no basis in reality. It's debunked all the fucking time, but they kind of take that and they say that this is an issue where, you know, a trans man or sorry, male, female, whatever the correct term is, I apologize. Um, is just, you know, somebody trying to co-opt the uh, woman's identity and woman's struggle and therefore is the embodiment of misogyny and patriarchy. So this is fucking crazy because in this weird world where Derek and all these fuckers live, you know, one thing excludes another, which is just crazy. And I, I don't think that there's anybody coming from 
well, I mean, there might be some people, but small minority, not not reflective, who are just, you know, the the main thrust of it is that these people understand that there's trans issues coexist with patri- with anti patriarchy issues uh, and misogyny and all these things, and there's like. I don't know. I just can't even understand. It kind of blows my mind. I know I'm stuttering a little bit over this just because it's so fucking insane. And I can't believe we're still having to talk about this shit because these people were fucking done for a bit. Uh, DGR has had very little impact. They're just a parent group for whatever radical kind of news shit is going on. And there's nothing really coming out. Uh, But uh, they're just full of stupidity and hate and insane reductionism. And so... It kind of slid under the radar for a while, so we didn't even really have to deal with it, didn't really have to talk about it, didn't have to talk about how insane Derek is, um, but now he's trying to come on the limelight, and uh, one thing Ted Kaczynski was right about, uh, going back to, I think, 2002 or 2003, when him and I were talking, um, was saying that Derek's victimization and his sole focus on his victimization was going to be his downfall. Of course, he was right, and that's the one time where he is. So Derek's whole persona is really built around the idea that, you know, how civilization impacts me. So when he's going through all this shit and he's unraveling rapidly and insanely, just to, just to give a quick rundown, he's talked in his books about feeding his dogs his own shit. Uh, you know, culture and make believe, which I think a lot of us were, were fairly supportive of. I mean, it's a book about him jerking off to porn, uh, end game, you know, whatever it's, it's pretty shitty books. Um, had some decency to it, but you can kind of see on the writing was all over the wall there uh, and reprinting chapters from his own books. Another thing in there, but I'll get back to some of that. Started talking about calling himself Tecumseh. Started talking about fucking trees as though that was something that indigenous people did, which is insane and insulting. Uh, and then he wrote his dreams book, which was pure crazy. Total crazy. I didn't read the book, but I just read through chunks of it. And it's just like, well, how'd this get published? How'd this get written? How did this get published? And who is reading this? It's, it's crazy. It's just literally him talking about his dreams. And he's got a fantasy relationship in his dreams. It's like the recurring theme. Uh, it just fucking makes you feel gross when you're even looking at it. And a lot of the stuff he's written is kind of like going in that direction where he's just built up this guru identity and he's just kind of feeding on it. And like people are after me. And in fact, he's told uh, myself and John and uh, I'm sure a number of people that his idea was is that because of the role he's going to play in the revolution against civilization, when shit does finally go down, when the grid finally collapses, he should be able to just knock on people's doors and they'll be like, thank you for your service. Here's your food. Um, Crazy shit. And of course, gurus are going to become a theme of this show. So hang in tight. We got more. But. In this particular case, he just kept taking things to this crazy level, and he still keeps taking things to this crazy level. And for some reason, you know, he builds that uh, follower mentality. He's looking for cannon fodder. He wants to find people that are broken, and he wants to control the way that they're involved with everything so that it's about him and not about the ideas. And this is a big battle that we've gotten into with John and I and uh, with Derek for, you know, decades at this point. But you know, I mean, a, a central kind of question I had was like, you know, are, are we being opportunists? Are we using Derek because he's reaching this other platform and things like that? And really, it came down to the idea that, like, you know, there was there was beef there. 
there is issues and there's differences and it's not that those things necessarily rule each other out. But the amazing thing about Derek was that he was able to say more radical things than we were. And so like uh, for all the green anarchists, for all the anarcho-primitivists, for everybody who was involved in earth and animal liberation stuff, even in a remote way, particularly from the mid to late 2000s, the amount of oppression that was going on and the amount of efforts to entrap and ensnare were just insane. You could go to it's about any talk I did in the 2000s and there was at least one person there and multiple people trying to hedge out and answer into a zone that we would know. And the entire thing boils down to you cannot advocate. And if you're going to talk about uh, sabotage and things like that, you know, you can, you can only talk about it in a historical sense. You can talk about it in an entertainment sense. You cannot advocate. Uh, and that's where a lot of legal trouble comes into. And that's where even people involved in the green scare really got hung up and really got issues and really did time. And the, the extent of that was kind of constantly shifting uh, to the point where in the, by the mid-2000s, you could easily look at, you know, what can I print? What, what is legal? What's the limit? And you wouldn't know by the time you got something back from the printer whether or not you had crossed those lines and whether or not you just kind of put yourself on the line war. So there's a lot of reasons for, anonymous, for being anonymous. Uh, and that's why... When DGR comes along at the same time and they're saying we want legal names, we want to know what, how many books are you going to push to Derek's month? What are, work are you going to do for Derek this week? This really kind of religious, crazy cult shit uh, was going on and it was all premised on filling in these gaps under the presumption of just really doing sales pitch and uh, promotional work for Derek Jensen. Doesn't give a fuck he's Derek's never given a fuck about the people who back him and who support him and he'll ditch people at the, at the drop of a hat it's just his mo that's how he operates um so he's just saying crazier and crazier shit and he's building up this more and more insane kind of thing and people are kind of following along with it the anti-trans stuff gets a, a major call out uh earth first published something uh, like i said i think this was in 2012 to 2014 and that's when People just started dropping Derek left and right. Of course, during that time, PM Press, which is owned by Ramsey, who had owned AK Press and AK Distribution, uh, he's he's picking up his books like crazy. And at this point, PM Press has 11 books from Derek or co-authored by Derek or edited and collected by Derek. I believe Flashpoint Press is a cooperation with PM, which I could be wrong about, but that just looking at the website, that seems to be what it is. But they're all... All of those 11 books are at least co-released by PM Press. It looked like there was a chance they might have dropped it or they might have pulled back a little bit, but maybe they were thinking they were just going to tide the storm. Uh, Monsters, his latest book, came out in 2017. So anybody who wants to give uh, PM Press, an anarchist publisher, a radical publisher credit, they don't deserve any of it. They still keep pushing his books. They're still promoting them. Um and that is a problem. That's where I'm getting to. So his latest book is a book that he's been talking about for years. Uh, he says he's been working on it for at least five years, and I've heard him talking about it before. But it's called uh, uh, Anarchism and the Politics of Violation. So Derek's thing, as I mentioned, uh, was saying that he's against anarchists because really anarchists were mean to him. And all that boils down to, and this, is, this sounds crazy, and this is fucking true. In the last issue of Green Anarchy, which I believe was 2007, 2008, 
there's a positive review for his zoo books. And in that review, there was kind of that question of uh, uh, an open question of like, maybe Derek is weakening his work by oversaturating us by having too much that's awfully redundant and covering a lot of the similar grounds. Minor kind of statement. Derek fucking flipped at the exact same time. He started doing all these interviews. He's talking about how dirty anarchists were, how gross we are, how disgusting we are, how anarchists just steal from him and all this crazy shit. And so this is kind of the backdrop whenever, you know, these things are unraveling and Derek's unraveling very rapidly. No direct confrontation on his part. He's just talking shit to other people in interviews and things like that and trying to immediately cast aside the anarchists that frankly built his entire following unintentionally so but uh he just starts kind of backpedaling and going crazy here um and so that's that's the backdrop that's what kind of kicked off the the public confrontations that uh john and i were having with him so really what it came down to was derek was pissed um he was involved with calling the fbi uh lear keith got pied at the elaw conference um I'm not even sure, but somewhere somewhere around that whole period, uh, which, you know, they, they've made this whole big deal about and saying it was assault and everything like that. It's like, she got pied. It's it's not assault. It's just humiliation, and as it should be. It's pretty good heckle in some ways, but it's a longstanding tradition. And, uh, you know, could have been worse, you could say. But uh, whenever she got pied, they called the FBI. They called the cops. Uh, Lear immediately jumped to... All kinds of crazy shit. She started going on uh, shock jock radio shows and right wing shit to promote this whole idea about anarchists as just horribly horrible people and violent and really going on about vegans and all this shit. Just backing up kind of harebrained ideas that she had had in the first place, which is crazy to me, too. Her book, The Vegetarian Myth, it should have been a, a fucking home run of a book. It should have been a very easy thing. And I... Uh, there's no no secret that I have uh, a lot of issues with veganism as an ideology, uh, but it doesn't mean that I'm going to sit here and say that every vegetarian or every vegan is an insincere piece of shit with, like, fucking body dysmorphia and kind of weird eating disorders and things like that. It's like people are vegan for very valid reasons, whether or not those play out or whether I agree with them or not. That's one thing, but it's another thing to say these people are just disingenuous, which is, again the MO of both Lear and of Deep Green Resistance. Um, so they went, They had no problem going to the cops. They had no problem jumping on authority. They had no problem trying to go after anarchists and trying legally to go after anarchists for everything that they thought was happening to them and everything that was wrong in the world. Um, and so they've just kind of wrapped all that up and, and spilled it out and everything else. And just to, to go to the extent of which they're, they're self-serving pieces of shit, uh, Derek put out Lear's Vegetarian Myth, and on the front cover, there's a quote from him saying, this book saved my life. Derek has Crohn's disease, which we all know because he talks about it in his fucking books and his talks and everything, or his talk. Um, and it is a with an autoimmune disorder and a digestive disorder, which can be treated through diet. So there is a chance that that book could have helped, but Derek has never really been a vegetarian or vegan for any committed amount of time. He certainly wasn't. And uh, instead of trying to change his diet, and this is something I had talked to him about uh, pretty considerably as somebody who has major digestive issues myself, uh, he's never been open to it. He was willing to fly to Europe to get 
tapeworms uh, and shit like that, but change his diet, no. So the fact that that book supposedly saved his life, uh, it clearly didn't. And if it did, maybe that was an error. But uh, it didn't. It just didn't. It's a fucking lie. It's a pitch, a sales pitch, just like everything else that he does, and it's all bullshit. So uh, kind of getting back to this and wrapping this up, they just applied all of that kind of self-serving hatred of anything mildly off kilter with becoming their main problem, their main threat. And because they can only identify, you know, one moving target at a time and that being anarchism and in their eyes conflated entirely with, with trans issues. Um, Derek has, has been working on this book and this book, the whole idea of it is to say that anarchists are rapists, anarchists are pedophiles and the idea that we're against law means that we're against uh, the legal system, which would lock up rapists. So there's a lot of problems with that. And naturally, the, the two options on the table aren't uh, lock up rapists or support rapists. Um, it's, it's just fucking crazy. I mean, I, am, uh, I, I talked about it in one of the earlier episodes of the podcast. I wrote a little bit for it. And, um, I essay Society Without Strangers, which is in Black and Green Review number four, and in Gathered Remains, which Black and Green Review number four is almost sold out. So if you're interested in reading it, you should pick it up sooner than later. Um, but, you know, talking about the anarchism in action can be killing. I mean, that's in looking at hunter-gatherer societies, they didn't have the ability to offset under the law. They didn't have a presumption somebody else was going to take care of their problems for them. So they had to deal with them. And sometimes that means if you've got a person who is insane and is killing people and you have to deal with them, sometimes you have to deal with that person. You got to put them out. And, you know, there are issues within the radical world. There are issues within the punk scenes and with anarchist scenes where somebody does something sketchy and the idea is just kind of push them out. Just just get them out of town, run them out of town. And it's not enough. And if there's merit behind what's happening, if something is going on and I see it comes down to direct action, this is, there's obviously something to be done. Needless to say, there's a lot of alternatives and there's a lot of things that we're not going to fucking spell out. You know, it doesn't do anybody good. If, if something does happen, it can be premeditated. It can be premeditated to say, this is how you deal with a rapist. This is how you deal with this person. This is how you deal with this person. Ultimately, you don't let them in. Ultimately, you know, you check those things before they become an issue. Uh, and there's, you know, a lot to be said about anarchism and anarchist um, praxis and just saying like, this is how we deal with shit, and we don't call the cops. We don't involve outside parties. Take out our own fucking trash. We deal with this shit. So, Derek, to get up here and say all this kind of crazy shit, it's really just this whole thing where he's involved with the trans stuff, where he's like, you know, trans women are an assault on women, uh, and it's kind of crazy stuff. And there was just a just a iron out a little bit more uh, in response to John putting up a article in the Eugene Weekly, which is the Eugene newspaper before Jensen came out, kind of like, what's the background here? He got some letter that was fucking crazy uh, and just going on about how John's a, I don't know, lesbophobe and all these kinds of crazy things just because John called out Derek for being transphobic. Uh, and they said they kind of conclude a part of it, uh, saying John could be too chicken shitted to be honest about the fact that all trans women, trans women, are just shitty sexist men. It's just fucking crazy, right? But, I mean, of that, kind of also got things a little bit right. I think a, uh, a person transitioning from a man 
would agree. They are shitty men. They're not men. They don't feel it. They don't feel right there. So, yeah, come on. You got part of it right. So just why do you fucking care? Why does anybody care when somebody transitions or anything like that? And it's just like the idea that that's an assault on on women when everything else that's going on in the world is going on. It's like there's there's room for more than one issue at a time, believe it or not. A lot of things happen with civilization and a lot of these things are compounded. But this being your issue to the point where they will have the cops guard them to protect them from what they conceive as, perceive as the trans threat or whatever the fuck it is, uh, is just fucking crazy. And by all means, should not be allowed to slide from the world in general and the anarchist world in particular. Um, I don't know who Derek's audience is these days. He's taken progressive money. He's gone more and more into liberal spheres. Uh, he had been for a while. And I think that I kind of got the answer to the question after, after having this huge fallout with Derek about what is, why is it that he's able to say all these things that John couldn't say, or I couldn't say we couldn't have printed necessarily in green anarchy or species trader and things like that. It was because he's just doing liberal penance. He's presenting things as his writing is a device and it follows what, um, the you know what we call them 2000 whenever the i think it was john mccain had this uh joe the plumber kind of thing during his election campaign and there's this whole right-wing device to kind of say it's like here joe the plumber is the everyman we're gonna have joe the plumber come up here and he's gonna tell you how it is and so derek's writing follows this really kind of like neocon uh device and this neocon kind of cycle which isn't surprising because derek was admittedly a neocon into his 20s um but the way his writing works is like dumb Derek walks along, he gets an idea. He's a dreamy guy, comes up with an idea, something might be wrong. And so here's a bit of research, here's him talking to a smarter person about it, and then here's dumb Derek reconciling the two. It's a cathartic way of approaching things. It's really almost like a religious kind of ordeal to say it's like the in a way kind of the trickster sense, like the, the trickster in so many um, native traditions is about exploring the profane, uh, exploring all the things that you're not supposed to be talking about, it's not supposed to be doing. The, the trickster, you know, he takes dick off, he's a rapist, he's fucking having incest and shit like that. Um, he's just the worst. And I mean, but the idea is not that this is being upheld, this isn't a god or something like that, but that this is how all the the aspects of the culture kind of get played out in this this almost morbid kind of black humor way um, but no, so none of it actually happens. And so that's kind of where it was with Derek. And that's why he could talk about destroying civilization and get liberal backing and have 11 books published by PM press who are unquestionably anti anarcho primitivist anti green anarchist, anti anti civilization. Um, he can do all this because it's just allowing these liberals and to some degrees, radicals and revolutionaries to, talk through the worst elements so they can come back for the organization. They could come back for, you know, how are we going to do it? They could have this kind of cathartic personal uh, quest through all of it without ever actually getting their hands dirty. But in the meantime, being willing to sign a sheet that has their fucking legal name on it, all kinds of crazy shit. So uh, there's, I mean, yeah, unfortunately this could go on and on. I don't really want it to. But I think that there's there, this is at a point where, you know, people need to speak up about it again. Um, we just kind of let it go, and um, 
hadn't had to put much attention on it just because he kind of fell off the radar. But now this book is going to be published by Seven Stories, um, which is, you know, liberal, you know, bullshit printer or whatever. But still, uh, they've got an entire LGBTQ section on their page of the idea that they're publishing a transphobe and somebody's militantly anti-trans. Bring that to their attention. PM Press, write them. I wrote Ramsey. I wrote PM Press the other day, and I said, why the fuck are you publishing this, dude? Why are you backing this? Like, there's a few things we agree about as anarchists in, in terms of the red-green split and things like that, and even in terms of uh, the individualist versus, you know, communalist, not communist, communalist kind of a side, or pro-community, pro-wildness, green anarchist side. Um but I think this is one of those things that we should be pretty clear about when somebody's going out there and trying to say that they've done all this, you know, the writer for the book claims he's done like 10 years of research, research. Derek's not a research guy. John and I tried to explain to him as many other anarchists did try to explain anarchism to him. It was never going to fucking happen. Uh, the guys, you know, he's, he's just not really good at this stuff. And, um, he can present other people's ideas, to a certain degree, but he also kind of cherry picks from it to say, what's the narrative that's going to function? What's going to be the thing that flows? So, uh, in short, you know, do something about this. Like this needs to be called out. This cannot slide. We cannot just like sit here and wait for this to just go out and be out there in the world and get eaten up, uh, so widely and randomly without doing anything about it. So write PM, write seven stories, Right there, give him fucking shit, give him hell. Show up at his fucking talks if he does them. Bombard his shit, he's got a radio show. Call it up and give him fucking hell. He does not deserve a free pass on this. And all his fucking victimization, all this shit, it's bullshit. It doesn't make sense. Just fucking call it for what it is and get this guy fucking hell. Don't let him just sit there and call the cops and rely on the fucking pigs and shit like that. And yeah, don't fucking call him, give him death threats. Motherfucker's going to call the FBI first chance as he has, as he will, uh, and he's going to try and get shit taken down uh, anywhere he can. Which also, just for reference, um, I don't know if I'm going to find it for this episode, but I'll have to try it for another. Uh, there was a recording made mocking Jensen um, called Major Buttface Jensen. It was pretty fucking awesome uh, and hilarious. And this was from, I don't you know, maybe 2009, 2010. Um I'll have to get the audio track. It's not very long, but it was mocking him and he managed to get it taken down off YouTube. Uh, I mean, it was relatively early on and all that shit cons- compared to what it's become and everything. But, uh, that's not, that can't be easy. <laughs> There's some crazy shit that goes on YouTube. So the idea that he could get it taken down is pretty insane, but that's just the extent he goes to He's a paranoid delusional maniac. Um, so don't let him get away with it. So moving on from that, uh, there's a lot more things I definitely want to cover right now. Uh, I will say that the uh, episodes hopefully will be a little bit more on the shorter side, and there's a chance they might get spread out a little bit more just because I've been really involved in um, doing a lot more writing right now. Uh, it's easier to kind of intermix this when I'm doing research stuff, but I do have a lot of ideas for episodes I'm going to do, and I still need to mess around with doing interviews and things like that, um, hopefully sooner than later. But... Uh, yeah, uh, if there's things that you want me to discuss, if there's topics you want to get covered, send me an email at blackandgreenpress at gmail.com. Uh, and uh, there's, you know, there's kind of a, a number of things brought up through this episode and through past episodes, which really should be going into detail and things I get in emails that 
make me want to just respond with doing the podcast and talk particularly about the history of anarchism, the history of anarcho-primitivism, um, talking through some of the influences that I, that have, are my own influences, uh, talking about some of the influences on the ideas are seem to be kind of hot point issues people are very curious about, and I'm going to be doing more of those. I uh, hadn't decided if I was going to kind of break it up a little bit more or just do kind of like uh, a podcast dedicated to, say, one particular aspect or not, um, or just even doing kind of more of the audio zine kind of stuff or just reading. Um, if you have thoughts on that, let me know, um, but I'll do my best to keep it going and then not do uh, what I sometimes think about doing and just recording like three episodes in a row or something, uh, just because you know, it takes a good bit of time. And uh, the book I'm writing right now, of Gods and Country, The Domestication of the World, it's a book I'm very excited about, uh, and I will be sharing more about as time goes on. Um, but as it stands, it does take up a considerable amount of time, so that's where I think it's most important to keep dedicating to. But there's a couple more things I want to talk about quickly here. Um, I have gotten a lot of, or I've gotten a number of people requesting my opinion on David Graeber. Uh, this is again something John talked about on uh, the last issue, or I'm sorry, the last episode of Anarchy Radio. Uh, this is another person that was a twit, uh, an anarchist uh, anthropologist um, that I had gotten into pretty notorious battles with about 2002, 2004, particularly around the publication of his tiny little book, Fragments of an Anarchist Anthropology, which is a piece of shit. Um, there was a group at the time, as anarchist anthropology or radical anthropology, something like that. I was pretty against it. At the same time, I was arguing with a couple other notorious anarchist anthropologists uh, including Harold Barclay uh, and and Graber, who I have issues with for different reasons. And it's, you know, I've had issues with Barclay. Uh, I've got some issues with Brian Morris and things like that, but I respect a lot of the work that they've done. Uh, in fact, I would say Barclay's book, The State, and his 1982 People Without Government, uh, Anthropology of Anarchy, um, or Anarchy of Anthropology, one of the two. Uh, you know, there's a lot of good value to those books, just like I said in, in episodes before I've talked about numerous times that there's things about uh, Kropotkin's um, mutual aid, which are, I think are great. There's a, there's a pretty long precedent for uh, this anarchist and anarchism and anthropology kind of uh, milieu. Uh, James Scott being another one of the people that's primarily in there. And I, I do have differences with a lot of these people, but I think that there's uh, areas where things can get stretched a bit too far and there can be kind of this follow-up to, to Pierre Clastres' society without the state where uh, it took this this kind of trend that Kropotkin had been involved in, which was seeing areas where anarchism, you could find threads of anarchy within a society after it had left um, or it had domestication, it had sedentism, and it had you know, a lot of things that we wouldn't consider ideal uh in an anarchist situation that weren't nomadic hunter-gatherers that weren't immediate return societies that weren't fully egalitarian societies and there's a lot to be said for it but it depends on you know your point of departure it can kind of change the way that you see things and the way you anchor things and for graber he just went to this this ridiculous kind of distance and he has no no sense of humility seemingly no sense of awareness anything he's tried to be involved in which was the uh direct action network for a while there um and a number of other groups that he just kind of tried to take over and run and get on the news as much as possible he just didn't seem to really have too much understanding and that fragments of anarchist anthropology he said like the core issues of anarchism 
were the elimination of north-south inequality. There was three things. It was the, the yeah the the yeah the ending of north-south inequality, and I think the other one was like uh, the end of NAFTA. So like very specific things. And of course, you know we we want to see the end of inequality through living in egalitarian societies, not through uh, further globalization, not through whatever kind of liberal progressive means he's he was going after. But of that book, and it's like a 100-page book, it's, it's tiny, it's a very quick read, it's like, an, you can read in like an hour. Uh, there's three or four pages from it that were lifted pretty much straight up from an uh, article Morris Berman had written in a Joda Anarchy, a Journal of Desired Arms, um, and no credit given or anything like that. So I, I called him out whenever I got in an argument with him, and he fucking flipped. I mean, this guy is just a piece of work. Uh, I only have fragments of some of those conversations, unfortunately, because it would be pretty funny to put them all out there. Uh, but being cursed out by a Yale professor at the drop of a hat, just like the very slightest notion of criticism, I mean, beyond even the rates that Derek would have done, handled it, were pretty funny and are pretty much a badge of honor for me uh, at the time. But he made this whole ordeal about being kicked out of Yale because of his beliefs and for being an anarchist and everything like that. I think really he just got kicked out of Yale as he should have because he's a shit academic um, and plagiarizing for a crime thing is one thing plagiarizing for an academic that's getting published by Marshall Sound's prickly press is another. Um, so I never really had too much interest. He's just fucking lazy. Uh, but I've, some of the stuff's going around again uh, and I've been asked for my opinion on it. And frankly, I just haven't really taken the time to read it too thoroughly, but it's just this postmodernist kind of bullshit. Just like we can start over, we can get new ideas about where the world is and what origins are and what, what everything means. And it's just, he's, he's a shit writer. It's pathetic stuff. I'll probably get into it more later. Um, probably totally honest. It's not something I find horribly exciting, but kind of feeds back into this theme. As I said, for this episode, you say the theme is gurus. No gods, no gurus. That should be where anarchism is at. Unfortunately, it's not. And we should be wary of any of these people like this who are trying to step up and, and be the voice of everything. So uh, I, I don't remember how much exactly John got into on the radio last week, but I dug up some of that those pieces of uh, conversation from before. And uh, for those who weren't aware, those who weren't around during the uh, N30 WTO protests in 1999, uh, Derek, following the um, Anarchy in the Streets, uh, Reclaim the Streets in, uh, I think it was June or July of 99 in Eugene, uh, but massive riots that were the precursor for the huge anti-WTO uh, riots that happened in November that year. Uh, John did get a lot of press. He was getting on the cover of Newsweek and stuff like that. He was in, being discussed on a lot of shows, and, and that was fucking great because that exposed a lot of people and involved people that you want to have getting that. Uh, John's a great one for it because John doesn't to tolerate a whole lot of bullshit. John will call it as it is, and I love him for it, and it's great. Um, and uh, didn't he wouldn't never tried to build up his following. He did try to get people to move to Eugene, which is a whole other issue and uh, a common source of heckling, but it wasn't a power grab. Um, and at the time, when I was arguing with Graver, he went off about John and how his beef with John was, I think he called him a, an aggressive media whore. Uh, it's a fucking term I hate, but, uh, yeah, I mean, it was just totally insane. Like it's okay. All right, dude, you're just fucking jealous. You wanted to be this. And now he's the guy who is trying to get on every news show on every radio show to promote all his shit work or whatever. Um, 
And, you know, since his time in the direct action network, he was trying to claim all of anarchism and, and just channel it into his own direction. So these are people to be wary of. Uh, anybody who's claiming to be a guru, anybody who's trying to claim a following, anybody who's trying to get you to sign a fucking waiver or some shit like that. Um, and it's a great thing when these people do go down. Um, so yeah, more the merrier. That said, the latest one to take a hit is, uh, Daniel Vitalis, the guy who claimed famously that he invented rewilding, uh, I think in like 2010 or 2011, some totally ridiculous demonstrably untrue kind of claim he's just a fucking salesman he's a a podcast guy uh some shit coming out about him um being a power hungry douchebag which we knew uh self-serving self-promoting uh fuck face which we also knew because the guy tries to sell a fucking 200 dollar bottle of elk uh elk antler felt extracts uh for your virility to be real fucking man whatever uh some kind of macho bullshit and uh he's flirted a lot with the wolves of vinland kind of stuff uh he, he had started in with jack donovan tried to claim he didn't know where he was coming from where he was going which is all this ridiculous bro tribal kind of were men vikings neo-fascist shit um uh, and yeah there's there's some stuff coming out now and today about him being obviously emotionally abusive and verbally abusive to his partners. Um, and but the biggest thing being very psychologically abusive and targeting, which again is another key part of all these people, which makes it funny because that was a big thing for Derek. And I'm sure more will come out about it um, is the way that he, you know, the plays the victimization card so that he can kind of control every situation. Um, and I think now he's even going to be trying to do the same thing as Danny boy and trying to appeal a bit more to that alt-right, entitled, frankly, generally white male bullshit thing of, you know, people feeling this kind of personalized disenfranchisement uh, and empowerment that they get over the internet to be individualists and to be, you know, the unique little piece of shit that they are and everything. But now Derek's going out and saying um, he's got talks about uh, you're not entitled to your own feelings. It's like, well, Derek's going to have a hard time selling his old books to these people because his old books were all about trying to coast you through and feeling all these intense emotions about civilization. But maybe that's just what it was. Maybe it was just a sales pitch, and ultimately your feelings don't matter, as he says. And it was just about you were supposed to identify with him so you could identify to him and to his group and, and subject yourself to his group without actually... Uh, applying those things to your own life because you don't matter. So when shit goes down and he's knocking on your door, that's why. Uh, but this is, this is a problem. It's always been a problem. And there's been a lot of discussion about, you know, rewilding and how much it's been kind of shit upon. And even when uh, the Wolves of Vimlin were kind of trying to take on some of those terms, which there's nothing fucking wild about them. They're idealizing some kind of crazy... Uh, contemporary Norse mythology, uh, this whole thing about uh, Vikings discovering Americas and Vinland and claiming some like claim to fame for it or claim of conquest. These are colonizing agrarian pieces of shit. They fucking suck. Uh, that's all there is to it. Uh, that's all there ever will be to it. But, you know, there's they want to create some man's club 
where they're entitled and they're powerful and they're all the shitty aspects of all these dumb ideologies and religious fantasies and it's exceptionally misogynist and it's all about this you know harnessing the power of the will and the might uh and ridiculous kind of shit whatever but this is where all these people are going and it's all about shutting other people down and saying these arguments aren't valid these arguments are valid only mine is valid and i will regain my strength bah yeah more bullshit um i could go into it at some point i will right now i just am not too interested in it but Ultimately, what it comes down to, we've had these issues within green anarchism. We've had these issues in many, many places. And there's been these issues with rewilding as well, because rewilding has generally been uh, kind of a a tangential idea within green anarchy, but also uh, a part of green anarchist praxis. But at the same time, you know, there's all these people like Danny Boy who are going to try and own it. And he I think he actually has a copyright on the phrase rewild yourself, which is hilarious. Um, and Pete Urban Scout has, has gotten into some pretty hilarious beefs about that. Um, which again, something I'm sure we'll talk about later, but how do we survive? Are these terms shit on? Are these terms worth nothing? You know, I mean, it's hard, but at the same time, when somebody like that is claiming that they came up with a term rewilding and we've got it in print <laughs> and like it, there's, there's clear evidence that these terms predate all this stuff, then it's just demonstrably untrue. Um, whether or not it sullies the terms to the point where they're worthless, stuff for debate. And at a certain point, I, I think that there's, you see, and I, I'm, sh- I'm aware that on Facebook and everything like that, there's the big fucking thing to do is to invent some new ideology and some new term and all this stuff. And they'll figure it out along the way. But, you know, it's easy to get hung up on that shit. Um, I just, I don't know. Do I, I don't know if I have any advice or anything about it or something like that or I have thoughts on it. I'm not going to stop using the term rewilding. I'm not going to stop using the term wildness. There's times where I see something that I'm just like, ah, fuck this. Like, yeah, I get it. Like, you know, rewilding isn't asking where your chicken came from at a bougie restaurant or something like that, as Danny Boy has has iterated. Um, but really just the thing is, like, you know, just the importance, and, the, and this is where the anarchist side of everything comes from. This is why I don't stop calling myself an anarchist, despite many reasons not to do so. Uh, it's just that, no gods, no masters should apply to everything. No gurus, no masters. No fucking gods, no gurus. Whatever you want to say, whatever you kind of want to pigeonhole it or paraphrase it, this should be about the ideas. You should be able to present them. You should be consistent. And uh, that's that's my hope is to continually add to the depth of these critiques, to add to it without ever at any point making the argument about myself or about any other person. Uh, and that's the entire deal. That's the problem with civilization is this impacts all of us. Domestication is a cycle that we're all constantly going through. It doesn't apply to one person more than another, unless you're talking about something like actual slavery um, or any situation where there's just literally more force. But these are all things that we can relate to in varying degrees. Uh, it doesn't mean that your situation is invalid. It doesn't mean your beliefs are invalid or anything like that. There is an objective reality. I'm not even going to fucking deal with that kind of bullshit or anything like that, but just, you know, there, there's a lot more to this. Civilization is a much bigger thing and the world is a much bigger thing than any individual. So my takeaway point is part of anarchist praxis is, and always has been about fucking hacking down the gurus about hacking down anybody who's trying to take this idea and take it and make it their own and have a brand on it. Um, these ideas should be able to stand on their own. These ideas should be able to 
to be added without being trapped and bogged down by any ridiculous individual, be it Danny, be it fucking Graber, be it Jensen, whatever these pieces of shit is going to be and whoever the next couple ones are going to come up and try and own it all and fucking Facebook or whatever, whatever. Like, it, does it does it kill the terms? I'm not too concerned. So that's kind of my two cents on that. Uh, and I'm sure that we've seen one of these gurus and I've seen a personal life how they act in public and how they manipulate people. A lot of times they're out for fucking, as Derek would say, the river demands sex be made or love be made or whatever. Yeah, if somebody says something like that and it sounds fucking crazy, it's crazy. You talk about feeding their dog shit, fucking crazy. Just, you don't have to sit here and split hairs about the good and the bad. If they're crazy and you don't like what they're saying, you don't like what they're doing, be skeptical of that person. Don't don't take, because Derek or, or because John Rye said, culture make-believe or language of older words were good books 15 years ago that that means that everything that he said or done is good and it just isn't uh and anybody can kind of get caught up with this shit and fall into it so it's just something to be actively aware of and with all things of power all things of control all these critiques constantly apply so that's my takeaway point uh it would be great if i never had to say derek's name again uh, it would be great if this issue somehow got resolved in the next week and I didn't have to touch on it again either. But I doubt that's going to be the case. I'm sure it'll drop off and come back on. Um, but in the meantime, as I said, go after PM, go after seven stories, and give them hell. Why are they publishing this fucking garbage? Why are they promoting this garbage person? Uh, and frankly, neither of those publishers ever even got any of Derek's good stuff. That's for damn sure. But, you know... He burned bridges with all his former publishers. He burned bridges with everybody. So he is. It's not just coincidental. So give him fucking hell. And Derek, got anything to fucking say about it? You know how to get a hold of me. Uh, so bring it, fuckface. But uh, otherwise, uh, just reiterate where the stuff's at. Uh, Black and Green Review Number 5 is currently out. My book, Gathered Remains, is currently out. Both of those are for sale on blackandgreenreview.org. Uh backslash shop of purchase i forget just go to the main page click on purchase that shit's on there there's more information on there my personal projects and stuff like that are on kevintucker.org black and green press has more information and at some point i will consolidate web pages and get better about updating them in the meantime all past issues of the podcast are listed on black and green review.org in the podcast tab uh i post it on archive uh, and I am working on figuring out more about getting it posted other places or figuring out RSS streams so the whole thing gets simpler. But uh, it's a learning curve. So uh, if you have any questions, you can always email blackandgreenpress at gmail.com. You can send mail to blackandgreen at P.O. Box 402, Salem, Missouri, 65560. That's P.O. Box 402, Salem, Missouri, 65560. All right, till the next time.